Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you with us as we conclude our series, Big Questions. This morning, Elder Bill Davis asked the question that we all hear, Why does God allow suffering? All around us, people see war, flooding, terror, starving children, and human trafficking, and they ask, How could a good and loving God allow this to happen? Listen as Bill shows us some possible solutions from the world and then guides us in a close look at the Bible and what God's Word has to say. All right. Good morning, Bay Hills. Wow, so many of you. I remember the last time I was up here, there was probably about 700. Now it's about 1,000, which is incredible. Uh, They say that the uh, biggest fear that people have is... Public speaking, yes, good. All right, public speaking. So yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's, it's much bigger. When I first started out going to Bay Hills, it was like 775 people. So, you know, it makes me a little, you know, the nerves have gone up a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, that's good. We're wrapping up, as David mentioned, we're wrapping up our big questions series. Uh, we've uh, started off the series on Easter uh, with a look at the resurrection and can we believe in the resurrection. And David presented information that can help us understand and believe and uh, really trust God in the resurrection. We then looked at uh, the different religions and can we trust Christianity to be, to be the only way to God. In the third week, we looked at the Bible. Can we trust the uh, veracity of the Bible? Can we really believe this book uh, that God has given us is his holy word? And then last week we looked at the difference between evolution and creation. And can we believe in the creation account as it's outlined in Genesis? And today we're going to wrap this series up with a very, very important question. And that question is, why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow suffering? George Barna is the head of the Barna Group. And they did a survey and they asked people across the country, they said, if you could ask God one question, what would that question be? And this was it. God, why do you allow suffering in this world? Because it doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. When you look at situations, and I've got a few pictures up there, you look at situations like you look at the war in and, and World War II, And what happened there and the atrocities that come with war. You look at the flooding that happens across this world. You look at the terror that is happening, a terrorist attack. You look at famine and starving children and human trafficking. And you look at it and you say, you know what? A good and loving God, how could he allow this to happen? And this isn't just, you know, an academic question for a lot of us. Because a lot of us are hurting. And a lot of us do experience suffering and then we do experience trials and we want to come to terms and we want to understand why is it that a loving God would allow this to happen. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, because sometimes the math just doesn't add up. And this is the problem. This is the problem. The problem is when we learn and we read in the Bible, we read that God is good, that he's absolutely pure and that he hates evil, that he despises it and he's against it. And we read that God is great. He is all powerful. He can do anything. 
He can move mountains if he wants. And so we read that. But then we see that evil is real and there's bad things that happen. There's suffering that occurs in this world. And it seems like God isn't doing anything. And that's very, very difficult for us to process it. Because when I add it up, it just doesn't make sense. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to try to make some sense of it all. I want to try to help every one of us understand this on it, not only on an intellectual level, but also on an emotional level, because suffering does hurt. So I'm going to take a look. We're going to take a look at some of the, the solutions that the world presents. And then I want to take a look at in our Bible and I want to see what God's word has to say about the issue of suffering. And so that's where we're going to spend our time this morning so we can understand it. So the world would give you some possible solutions as it relates to this situation, this issue of suffering. And the first thing that the world would tell you is that, you know, God does not exist. God does not exist. I know in your study guide, I was looking at it this morning. I realized it says there is no there is no God. That's the answer. I sent him my notes on uh, Tuesday and then I refined my message throughout the week. So God does not exist or there is no God. And that's what the world would have you say, you know, obviously, and this is the view of the atheist. If you were here last week and we took a look at evolution versus creation, this is the person that says, you know, there is no God. Really, we all evolve from the primordial soup. And really, there is no God doesn't exist. So you shouldn't be surprised at suffering because it just happens. It's just evolved. That's how we came to be. But the trouble with that is that the majority of people in this world believe that there is a God, that there is a higher power. So that doesn't really sit well. In addition, most of the people feel like there's something that's wrong in the world. When we see suffering, when we see difficulty, we look at it and we say that ought not to be. That's hard to say that ought not to be. It should be different. It shouldn't be this way. In his book, Lee Strobel writes a chapter. He devotes it to this entire thing in the case for faith. He deals with this whole idea around suffering. And his first chapter is deals with objection number one in terms of the case for faith. He says, since evil and suffering exist, a loving God cannot. And he outlines and he interviews a, a Dr. Kreeft who, who has delved into this issue and outlines it. But That's how we feel oftentimes since evil and suffering exist. A loving God cannot. But in our hearts, we're like, that doesn't satisfy us. And so C.S. Lewis, uh, I came across a quote that he had in Mere Christianity. If you've ever if you want to get into deep theological readings, C.S. Lewis is a great writer, but you might have to read through it a couple of times. I know I have had to do that because he's really deep. And he says it this way. When I was an atheist, my argument against God was that the universe seems so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A person does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. And so the truth is, when it comes to suffering, we have this idea that, you know what, it's not right. It's not. So in our hearts, and where did we get that? Where did we get that? You know, the answer is that God planted that in our hearts, that things aren't right. And that's, you know, that's something we struggle with. But the world would say, hey, you know what? God does not exist. That's that's the answer. The next thing that the world might have you uh, convinced of that, you know, evil is simply the dark side of God. Evil is simply the dark side of God. 
Right. This comes from like you watch the Star Wars trilogy, you follow some of the Eastern religions and they'll give you this idea. Evil is simply the dark side of God. You know, God created good. He also created bad. And I came across this far side cartoon. I remembered it from when I was in college. Uh, I know it's a little bit hard to see. You know, you've got God up there and he's making the world and he's got people that he's putting on it. He's sprinkling the plants and the trees. And then he says in his mind, he says, and just to make it interesting, if you guys can't read that jerks is what's on that thing jerks right i'm just gonna sprinkle a few jerks on the world you know if that's the person sitting next to you don't nudge them or anything but anyway uh the bottom line is you know some people have this idea well you know when god was creating the earth he just put in he sprinkled in some good stuff and he sprinkled in some bad stuff but that's not true at all that's not true at all. That's not that's not how God operates. But it's an interesting way that people might present it, that God, you know, it's just the dark side of God. Another thing that, uh, you know, people will have you convinced of in terms of possible solutions. Well, you know, God's really not all powerful. God's really not all strength. He can't do everything. You know, there are some limitations to what God can do. That's what people would have you believe. In fact, uh, one of the one of my uh, one of the books I used as part of my study this week was a book by uh, Rabbi Harold Kushner, and he it's called it's called When Bad Things Happen to Good People, and he's trying to help people that, to deal with this. And one of the things he said, which really struck me as interesting, coming from a rabbi, he said, "God wants the righteous to live peaceful, happy lives, but sometimes even He can't bring it about. It is too difficult even for God to keep cruelty and chaos." from claiming their innocent victims. What strikes me about that is that, you know, this is the God, this is someone who's, you know, obviously would be familiar with the Old Testament and would be understanding of all of the different things. And when you think of a story, and I'm just going to pick one story, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you guys know that in the fiery furnace, and God intervened in that situation, and he stopped them from being burned, and they came out, and they were whole, And so if God isn't all powerful, how does something like that happen? How does something like that happen? So that's not satisfying either because we see and we've seen the evidence of miracles and situations where we know it's like if God wasn't in that, how did that happen? How did that happen? So that's another reason that people say, well, God's not really all that powerful. And the last thing that people would have you convinced of is that, you know, God doesn't really care. God doesn't really care, you know. This is one of the things that people say, you know, God just got the world going. He created everything. He got us spinning. He got the solar system working. Everything was going good. Everything was going smooth. And then he stepped away. He said, "Okay, just let it go. I'm just going to let it run and we'll just see what happens. He doesn't really care. This is something that people say, well, God doesn't really care. Well, we know that's not true. But but still, it's, you know, one of the things that people propose is like this is a proposed solution. God doesn't care. In fact, uh, there's a quote that I'm about to share from Sam Harris. Sam Harris uh, has a website out there called Unreasonable Faith. He wants us to believe that nothing that we're doing here is, is reasonable. He's got a co- project uh, or a, a group called Project Reason. And he ha- he has this quote. And I thought this was interesting. Either God can do nothing to stop catastrophes or he doesn't care, or he doesn't exist. God is either impotent, evil, or imaginary. Take your pick and choose wisely. Pretty tough stuff. What struck me about this when I saw this, I was like, well, that's it. That's all I get to choose. These are, these are my choices. Is there something else? 
Is there another reason? Is there another explanation as to why suffering is happening? Why does God allow suffering in my life on it as an individual? Why does God allow suffering to happen in the world? Because it's funny when I was doing preparing for this study and I opened up the you know, I opened up Google News and I looked at what was going on in the world. You know, I saw three things that stood out to me on Tuesday, Wednesday of this week. Um, One, there was an earthquake in Ecuador. Hundreds of people were killed. I looked at uh, there was a boat that capsized in the Mediterranean. Hundreds of people were killed. There's flooding going on down down in uh, Houston, Texas, stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff. And I'm like, how how do I make sense of this? How do I make sense of this? And so what I want to do with the remaining time that I have is I want to just share with you some thoughts and some ideas that I'm hoping will be helpful to you as you grapple and as you deal with this issue of struggling, not only um, on a personal level as you look at it globally, but also individually and give you some thoughts that can just help you. I know as you probably turn over your study guide, you're, you know, on the front side, there's a lot of white space and you're, whoa, wow, um, a lot of verses. Uh, I'm not going to share all those verses, but I've left them there. I've included them there. Uh, so just so you can have those and so you can look those up later and maybe even highlight them in your Bible to help you as you deal with this topic. So I want to start off with some helpful thoughts. And the first thing I want to share, and this is, a, again, a little bit different deviation from the what's in there, is the first one is Jesus said that it would be like this. Jesus said it would be like this, or uh, Jesus told us it would be like this. So this is one of the things that I'm grateful for our Bible, and I'm grateful to God, and I'm grateful to Jesus for what he's done. And in the verse in John uh, that I have there, I believe maybe in your study guide, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Jesus doesn't sugarcoat it for us. Jesus tells it like it is, and I'm glad that we have a God that tells us like it is. I'm so grateful for the guy says, you will have many trials and sorrows. You will have difficulties. A lot of people, you get this idea that when you become saved, everything is going to be like easy street, and it's going to be straightforward and simple. That's not true. When you become, when you become saved, when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you've got the promise of salvation, but he doesn't promise you an easy life. In fact, sometimes we have even more difficulties and that's hard. That's difficult. But at the same time, God, Jesus doesn't sugarcoat it. He tells us, you know what? We will have trials. We will have sorrows. We will have difficulties. And I'm so glad that he prepared us for it. He was preparing his disciples for it then. And he's preparing us for it today that we will have difficulties. Life is hard. But the nice thing is, is that we get the blessings of eternity on the other side. And we have to keep our focus and we got to keep our perspective on that. One of the things that, uh, you know, that as part of my study, I've, I came across a quote by uh, Johnny Erickson Tata uh, that I'm going to put up. And uh, some of you guys know her story. Johnny Erickson Tata, she, uh, she got injured in a diving accident. She was paralyzed from the neck down. She has no use of her, her limbs. She paints uh, using uh, a paintbrush in her mouth. And she said it this way, and she, in terms of her perspective, she said, you know, he has chosen not to heal me, but to hold me. The more intense the pain, the closer his embrace and I love this because I was thinking about this as I was as I came across this. I remember a story that she told uh, that I heard somewhere along the line that um, when she was at a women's convention, there was a they had sold out a convention. And, and when the women showed up, uh, they had all had tickets. But the trouble was the tickets didn't match up with the seats 
that they were supposed to be sitting in. And so there was a lot of commotion in the in the stands and people were trying to figure out where the seats were. And a lot of the ladies were upset about this situation. And so Joni got up to speak and she said, you know what? I understand that some of you are not in the seat that you thought you were supposed to be in today. I want to let you know. That's my story as well. This is not the seat I was supposed to be in. Sometimes we land in a seat that we're like, I'm not, this is not where I was supposed to be. But you know what? That's the thing is sometimes God can use that situation. God can use that difficulty. God can use that struggle and that suffering. And it's one of those things that I appreciate about her is because she puts it into perspective. Sometimes we're in a seat. We're like, I didn't, I didn't plan to be in this seat. But God said, you know, sometimes this is going to happen. This is how this is going to happen. But trust me, I'm there. I'm with you in that. I will hold you closely. So just keep in mind, Jesus said it would be like this. Next, uh, next thing that he said is that our th- next thought is God is not the creator of evil and suffering. God is not the creator of evil and suffering. Some of you might say, and some of you, some of the people that deal with this situation of suffering, some of you say, well, you know, well, you know, God, why did, why didn't he create a perfect world? Why didn't God create a perfect world? Couldn't he have done better? He did. Right? He did. Genesis 1. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. It was perfect. It was it was great. He loved it. He set aside. He created the perfect world. He created perfect human beings. But the trouble was. We messed it up. We messed it up, right? Because it was very good. And when sin entered in this world, this is the thing is, you know, God gave us and part of this part of the creation. He gave us what's known as free will, free will. We have the ability to make choices that are either good or bad, good, not so good. But in order for us to give love and to share love and to choose to love God, we have to have free will. We have to be able to do it willingly. But he could have created us differently. He could have created us in such a way that we actually just repeat back to him whatever he wants us, whatever wants us to say. We could do this. In fact, I was uh, channel surfing uh, a few weeks ago at home. I, you know, it was one of the rare days uh, that in the Davis household where my kids did not have control of the remote, uh, which is very, you know, very unusual in my house. So the kids usually get to watch their shows. And, and but one day I got it and I was like, I'm, I'm flip channels. And I came across an old movie from the 80s that illustrates this idea around free will. And I want to take a look at the clip and then I want to come back and talk a little bit more about it. So let's go ahead and play that. And we'll talk about it. <laughs> God could have created us like that, right? Where we just do whatever it is he says. You know, in the movie Coming to America, Prince Hakeem, who's the character up there, he's, he's looking at this situation. And he says, you know, I don't, I don't want to marry this woman. Because she's just following my orders. I want to find someone who loves me for me. I want to find someone that I can love back. And God is the same way with us. He doesn't want to create us like, hey, just just tell me you love me. He wants us to choose to love him as he chooses to love us. 
And that's one of the things that we have to keep in mind. But the thing is, is just as easily as God can say, hey, you know what? I'm going to give you free will. I'm going to give you the choice. He has to allow that some people will choose differently. And so as a result of that, that can introduce suffering and it can introduce pain. It can introduce difficulty into our world because we have that choice. And that moves me to our next point, which is sin is to blame for all of the evil and suffering in the world. Sin is ultimately to blame for all this, the, the evil and the suffering that we are experiencing in our world today. That's what it is. It was original sin started by Adam and Eve, and it's the ongoing sin that continues. And there's two types of evil that I think are important for us to keep in mind and to put into perspective. There's moral evil. There's the evil that comes by the choices that we make, the individual things that we decide to do or decide not to do. And then there's natural evil. This is the natural events that happen. These are the hurricanes. These are the floods. This, this, these are the different things, the catastrophes that happen because we live in a fallen world. And it's, it'd be nice. It's like, well, can't we just eradicate that? Can't we just eliminate those different types of evil? Can't we just get rid of that? Well, here's the thing. And I love this. I came across a quote uh, from Alexander Solzetskin. Uh, he's an author. He li- he grew up in the uh, Siberian, uh, you know, camps uh, over in Russia. And uh, he, he was writing about that situation. And he said it this way. He said, If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. Can you imagine that? We'll just take these people, we'll take this group, we'll move them to the side and we'll just get rid of them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? In Romans 3.23, Paul writes and he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. I mean, there's things that, that we do and, and there's things that we've done in our lives and we say, Oh, I wish I'd done it differently. We've all had that experience. You know, and we all have to be mindful of that. You know, we all have that potential and that possibility where we could do choose to do the wrong thing instead of the right thing and sometimes we do that and there's consequences to that and sometimes it leads to suffering and it's unfortunate and it's something that you know that's why it's so important to spend time in god's word and spend time with god's people and to study and to and to encourage one another and to come to church on sundays because it reminds us that we need to make good choices because ultimately we can help especially when those those people who are suffering that need our help Not only helping ourselves, but we're helping those around us. And that's so important. So we talked about moral evil. The other part is natural evil. And I'm just going to call attention to a verse in Genesis 3. When after Adam and Eve had sinned, God said, God said to them in verses 17 and 18, he said, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. You know, prior to the fall of man and prior to the original sin, the earth was perfect. Things were great. Things were in good shape. But God said, you know what? Now there'll be thorns. Now there'll be thistles. Now there'll be difficulty. You have tainted our world and we are experiencing that ongoing and it's been multiplied over years, over years. And that is part of the reason why we have these hurricanes. That's the part of the reason we have tornadoes and flooding and and difficult like that, because the world was cursed when sin originally entered into the world. 
And that's hard, but it's part of part of the fall of man. But it all gets redeemed. It all gets redeemed at the end. And that's the one thing that I'm encouraged by. And that leads to my next point in regards to some helpful thoughts, which is that God can use our suffering to accomplish his purposes. God can use suffering. God can use difficulties. God can use pain to accomplish his purposes and to use those as a as a springboard to help us help others. And how does God use suffering? There's a couple ways that he uses suffering. So one, to discipline us, to correct our behavior. And we know that. That's, you know, so he's disciplining us because his loving God and loving father always wants to discipline the children to make sure they're going in the right direction. But the other thing that he does is he wants to develop us and to develop our character. He doesn't cause these things to happen, but he can leverage them in our lives to develop our character and to help us grow stronger. In fact, uh, Romans 5 uh, verses uh, 3 and 4, he says it this way, and this is in your study guide. I think it says Romans 3, but it's Romans 5, 3 and 4. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. You know, when I first started going to Bay Hills many years ago, we were at 4950 Appian Way, as I mentioned, and I was one of the youth leaders and I was helping out. And my, uh, when I was growing up as a, in high school, my parents got a divorce. It was very difficult and trying time for me. So after I graduated college and I was going to, I was going to, you know, go into my first job and I was helping out in the youth group. Uh, one of the things that I did was I, you know, I volunteered and I had a group of boys, five or six boys that were part of my small group that I was ministering to. As I got to know them, what I learned about each and every one of them is that each and every one of them had actually come from a divorced family. And I thought, wow, this is this is amazing. And I don't think God, you know, God makes, you know, this happened just arbitrarily. I'm confident that God put me there for a reason so that I can minister and to encourage these boys and to relate to them in their pain. God didn't cause my parents divorce, but he was able to leverage the pain that I experienced so that I could help minister to others. God is not causing the situation that you may be encountering and experiencing on a personal level, but he can leverage that somewhere along the line in order to help minister to others and and can encourage your heart. And like, wow, you know what? There's a reason for this and God can use it. He may not cause it, but he can use it if you will allow him to. And that's something that's very encouraging to me. It's funny because I think about this verse in the NIV. It's consider it pure joy when you face trial of many kinds. And let me just say, how many of you feel like consider it pure joy when I'm feeling trials of many kinds? No, it is very, very difficult. How in the world am I supposed to do this? Yeah, exactly. It is. It's hard. Consider it pure joy. And it's taken me a little while and I've gone through some difficult times and, and as we all have. And I realize now it's like, you know, I'm not trying to celebrate or make light of it, but consider it pure joy because God is there. God is in the midst of the suffering. God is in the midst of the trial. God can leverage this if I will allow him. If I will allow him, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. It's not easy. But it's something that God commands us to do. So God can use our suffering to accomplish his purpose. Sin is to blame. God is not the creator of evil. Jesus said it would be like this. And then finally, the last point that I'm hoping is helpful for you is that God loves us and he wants to help. God loves us and he wants to help. 
He wants to be there in your suffering. He wants to be there to encourage you. He wants to be there to support you. And there's some things that we have to put into perspective. There's some things that we have to remember about God's sovereignty. And one is that God will eventually judge evil. God will eventually judge evil. In Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, I don't have it there in your study guide, but I have it here. He says, Yahweh the Lord, the Lord of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even the children in the third and fourth generations. You know, God will eventually judge all evil. It says in God's word that all will kneel and bow before the judgment seat, and we will have to give an account So even if God doesn't deal with the evil and the suffering that is happening today, right in this moment, it eventually will all come get wrapped up at the judgment seat of God. He will ultimately judge all of it. God will eventually judge all evil in your study guide. Psalm 34, 18. God wants to comfort us. God wants to comfort us. It says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. God is there in the midst of our pain. He's there in the midst of our struggle. He is there to comfort the brokenhearted. Matthew 5, 4, it has the same verse above, uh, but it's actually, that's a, what, you know, it's God blesses the mourners, you know, or, you know, blessed are the mourners because they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. And then the last thing, the last thing, and this is probably the mo- one of the most important things, is that he sent his son so that we wouldn't experience eternal suffering. He sent his son so we wouldn't experience eternal suffering. Second Peter 3, 9, which is a great verse. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's why Jesus died on the cross. So that we could come to know him, that we could know salvation through him. In fact, I was thinking about this as I was I was preparing my message. We started off with the story of the resurrection and we started off. That's how this big question series started. And I want us to go back to that. And I asked David to send me a few slides. And I just want us to put this back into perspective because it all happened on Easter Sunday so many years ago. And this is what Jesus went through. So that you and I might have a right relationship with him. He endured the ultimate suffering. He endured the ultimate injustice. He endured so much so that we would be able to have a right relationship with God, so we would have salvation for all eternity. I want to move to the next slide because I don't want to hang there too long. Uh, William Temple, the Archbishop of Canterbury, he said it this way. He says, there cannot be a a God of love, people say, because if there was and he looked upon the world, his heart would break. The church points to the cross and says, it did break. It did break. And it breaks continually. 
God loves us and he cares about us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, that we might have a right relationship with him, that we might be able to be able to experience an eternity with him in glory. But there will be pain and there will be trials in this world. And that's something that we have to keep in mind. In fact, there's a there's something, but we have to also keep it in perspective. In Second Corinthians four seventeen, Paul writes, "For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all." And sometimes when we're going through suffering, when we're going through difficulties, or when we see it happening in other parts of the world, it's very hard to think these are light and momentary troubles. But we have to put it into the broader perspective. We have to look at it from the bigger picture. We have to see it from God's perspective. And one of the stories that I love in the case for faith with Lee Strobel is he talks about a bear that's caught in a trap. Some of you may have heard this story, but a bear is in the woods and he's caught in this trap. It's one of those big traps with the with the big teeth that locks into your leg. And so the God the bear, if you're thinking about it, the bear's thinking about this. This, you know, this is this is terrible. This is horrible. I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much agony, right? If I'm looking at it from the bear's perspective. And think about it. So if, if someone came along and saw the bear and he saw the bear in agony and he wanted to free him. So the guy who, who wants to free him, he goes and he grabs his gun with the tranquilizers and he comes over so he can tranquilize the bear. But if you think about it, the bear's looking at the guy and he's like, great. Now I'm going to get shot. First, it was bad enough with the trap. Now I'm going to get shot. But the guy who's trying to help him realizes, you know what, I have to tranquilize him so I can get that trap off. And so he tranquilizes the bear and the bear falls so he can go over and now he can help release the trap. Now, some of you have, uh, you know, some of you know the experience when you go to the dentist, you get a little anesthesia before the doctor does some uh, drilling in your mouth or whatever. So let's say that the bear situation, that the same thing happens. You get a little anesthesia, you're kind of out of it. And let's say that that's how the tranquilizers are. And you're a little bit out of it, but you still kind of can see what's going on. And let's say that in order to free the bear, I have to actually crank down on that trap in order to release the springs to get it open. Now, if you're the bear, you're like, geez, if it wasn't bad enough, it just got worse, right? It just got worse. But the bear's perspective and the person's perspective are far different. And what I'm trying to say is, you know what? Sometimes we look at it from the bear's perspective. Sometimes we look at our difficulties. Sometimes we look at our suffering and we say, you know what? This is horrible. And it is. It's difficult. It's painful. But we also have to look at it from God's perspective. God sometimes has to allow certain suffering and certain pain so he can develop our character, so he can help us grow, so he can help free us from the, the pain that we're experiencing today for a better future tomorrow. Sometimes God has to do that. It's not always that he does that. It doesn't always happen that way. But sometimes that's what has to happen. And we have to keep that in mind. We have to keep that in perspective. And that's why I say, and that's why Paul says, for our light and momentary troubles. And Paul is a great guy to say this. If you guys know the story of Paul, this guy was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He went through so many trials and tribulations. For someone to be able to write that as light and momentary troubles, achieving an eternal glory far outweighs them all. It far outweighs them all. I want to finish up with this quote by uh, Corey uh, Temboom. Some of you know Corey Temboom. She survived the German Holocaust. And she said it this way. She says, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and you trust the engineer. There are times where we go through difficulties and there's some dark times and there's some difficult times, but 
That's when we have to trust God the most. That's when we have to turn to him and trust him. And you know what? He's going to bring us through. He's going to bring us through. And if he doesn't bring us through in this lifetime, there's a whole eternity waiting for us where we're going to experience God's glory. And I am so grateful for that. It's, it's the reason I come to Bay Hills every Sunday. It's the reason that I wake up every morning and I can feel confident because God is working great things in my life and in the life of this church. And so I'm so grateful. And I'm so grateful for this series where we've been able to deal with difficult topics and we've been able to really delve in and understand them. And so as we wrap up, there's a couple of things I just want to encourage you to do. One, if you're going through difficulty, if you're going through circumstances that are difficult, I want you to put your trust in God. Put your trust in God. He knows what's happening. He knows what's going on. He knows where you are. And you can trust him. You can trust him in the situation. The other thing is, if you're here, you're, you're just checking this out. You've enjoyed this series. You're just checking out Jesus. You're checking out this whole God thing. Seek him out. Seek him out. There's a verse in the Bible that says, you know, if you, those who seek with their whole heart, he will reveal himself to you. But it can't be half-hearted. It can't be kind of like lackadaisical. Oh, maybe I'll check it out this next week. No, you have to seek with your whole heart. And he'll reveal himself to you. And the last thing, for those of you who may be going through struggles, what I would just encourage you to do, there's a lot of, lot of stuff on the internet that will say, you know, there's no God, turn away. But I would say turn to God. Turn to God in the midst of your struggle. Just like Joni Arison taught to turn to him in her struggle. She's been an inspiration to millions. Turn to God in your struggle. Ask him for his help and his guidance and his comfort. Because he wants to comfort you. He loves you. He cares about you immensely. I'm going to wrap up our series with a prayer. And what I want to do is I want to just, I want to ask everybody to stand up. You know, David talked about this as, um, you know, this has been more like a college study series if you've been coming for the past few weeks. And I've been dealing with this issue of suffering. We've been dealing with these topics um, more on the intellectual and, and, and up here. But I realize that a lot of us are dealing with suffering and we're dealing with difficulty right here. And it hurts. And you probably know people that are going through difficulties. You probably know people in your own lives that are going through it or maybe that's you today. So as Heads are bowed. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close your eyes. I want you to think of those people that might be in your life that may be hurting, maybe suffering. I want you to think of that person and I want you to pray for them in just a moment. And there's some of you here today that are suffering and you're dealing with difficulties, whether it's difficulties financially, difficulties in your marriage difficulties at work difficulties with family members and it hurts and what I'd like you to do with your heads bowed and eyes closed if you could just slip up your hands I want to pray for you I see that hand I see that I see those hands I see those hands what I want to do is I want to take the next 15 seconds and I just want to pray I want to just pray silently right there where you are for the people that either came to your mind or I want you to lift up your own situation and I'm going to pray for you just take 
15 seconds right now just to do that. Father God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for this series. I want to thank you for this church. It's reached so many people, and this issue of suffering, this issue is so difficult. It's so difficult because sometimes it just doesn't make any sense. God, I pray for those that raised their hands this morning. May your Holy Spirit comfort them. May your Holy Spirit speak to them. May your Holy Spirit come alongside them and encourage them. And may we as a church come alongside as well because suffering is real. God, we love you. And God, we know you endured the ultimate suffering when you sent your son to die on that cross you can relate to that pain because you've experienced it firsthand so God just be with us in the difficulties be with our friends in the difficulties remind us of your presence every day send us out from here not just more intellectually equipped but more emotionally equipped and, and stronger because of it let us be encouraged by your Holy Spirit Remind us we live in a fallen world, but Lord, you've redeemed the world through your son, Jesus. And we can take courage and hope in that. And we can grow closer to you because of it. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives and the work you will continue to do. We thank you for Bay Hills, what it means in this community. And we pray that we will continue to reach this community for you because you love this community, you love this world, and you don't want any of us to perish. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the Internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, exists to help everyone take their next step closer to Jesus. Thanks again for listening.